0: Well, good morning to everyone and lovely to see you all here, those that are here in the sanctuary and those who are on Zoom. I'm just going to give a wave out to those on Zoom. Wave back. Are they waving? Yes. Hello. Hello. Wait, you can all wave in here as well. There's nothing to stop you. god is in fact it's actually preferable to wave for those in the sanctuary because you're unfortunately not allowed to sing so whilst the songs are going on you can stand you can dance you can wave your hands you can raise them in praise but unfortunately you're not allowed to sing and please keep your masks on at all times Um, i've no other specific notices to give um, so we shall just carry on with the service so so welcome everyone let's just pray um, before we start Father God, we want to just come and thank you and praise you for who you are. You are an amazing God, and we just want to give you our praise and thanksgiving. Lord, let us just uh, come into your presence now. Holy Spirit, come and visit us. Come and be with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to mention this morning that um, for those on Zoom, if you are after prayer afterwards, then Nigel is our MC on Zoom, Um, and his number should come up now, hopefully. Are we there, please, Carol? Thanks. Do, 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 do. Should I have Zoom Nigel. There we go. So his number there is 07770-704987. So if you need prayer after the service and want to be put into a prayer room with somebody from the prayer team, then please contact Nigel. Um, that will come up at the end of the service as well. For those of you in church, unfortunately, that facility is not available. So without further ado, let's uh, let's come and give her praise to our God this morning.
1: we bow our hearts we lift our hands we turn our eyes to you again and we surrender to the truth that all we need is found in you receive our adoration jesus lamb of god Receive our adoration, how wonderful you are. We choose to leave it all behind and turn our eyes towards the prize, the upward call of God in Christ lord take our lives receive our adoration jesus lamb of god receive our adoration how wonderful you are every soul you say Everything you've made resounds. All creation standing now, lifting up your name. We're caught up in the angel song. We're gathered to your Your name Receive our Red red red. At your name the oceans roar and tumble At your name angels will bow The earth will rejoice Your people cry at your name creation sings your story at your name angels will bow the earth will rejoice your people cry Shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name. no one. There is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. Jesus is our God. We will sing. Lord of all the earth, we'll shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, way, Yahweh, way, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. Shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, our Lord.
0: Jesus is Lord this morning Jesus is Lord here in this place where you are at home Jesus is Lord let us give our praises out to our God this morning if you want to pray here in the sanctuary then please raise your hands somebody will come with a microphone if you want to do it on zoom then please just unmute yourself and let's just give praise to our amazing God this morning Jesus is Lord hallelujah
2: A reading from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And you have set our iniquities before you. And our secret sins are in the light of your countenance. For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. Their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Have pity on your servants, Lord. Make us glad that we may rejoice in as many days as you have afflicted us. Let the favour of the Lord, our God, be upon us. Amen. Amen.
3: We praise you this morning, Lord. We can't sing our hearts up, but we can clap our hands and stamp our feet. We can make a noise, Lord. We can praise you audibly. And it's fabulous. And we do just praise you this morning, Lord, for you are mighty God, mighty king, majestic, wonderful counselor. We just love you so much, Lord. And we want to shout it out and sing it out and just tell you, Lord, how much we love you. Amen.
4: Light everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Mm, For he is God and he is worthy to be praised. Let all that we do on earth give him all the glory. It says that it is he that he made all things possible for us. So therefore, we have to give him all the praise in every aspect of life. We give you praise, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for another day like this. Glory be to your name. Amen. Mm -hmm.
0: We thank you, Jesus, that you are a God of hope, that you give us promises that give us hope. Lord, we thank you that one day every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Lord, one day we will be with you in heaven and we will sing our praises for eternity to our God and King. But Lord, we thank you that you are a God of hope. Lord, thank you for the hope that you're giving us in our country and our communities. Lord, as more people are getting vaccinated, we want to thank you for the hope that that is, that is giving us. Lord, we just pray that uh, you would continue to have your hand upon this nation, upon our communities, upon our loved ones. Lord, we, we, we do want to see an end to this pandemic. We want to see the time when we can gather together. Um, and Lord, you're, you're, you're allowing us to have that hope. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would just be with us and help us, Lord, as we continue on with our service. Lord, fill us with joy, fill us with hope, fill us with expectation. Lord, you can do amazing things more than we can ask or think. And so we just want to thank and praise you. Amen. So now we have um, another one of Mark's amazing videos. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing what there is this week.
3: Hi, everyone. So if you remember, we've now started a new series on God's design for work. And last week, Martin explained how we were actually created to work. So this week, we're sort of looking at the the troubles of work, why work is sometimes tough. And if you remember, in our Ecclesiastes series a few weeks ago, we saw that work became futile after Adam and Eve disobeyed God. So this week in our video, we're going to look at a story that Jesus told, a parable about a farmer sowing his seed on the land. Let's take a look at that story now. The parable of the sower from Luke 8, verses 4 to 15. Now, As normal, Jesus was traveling around from village to village, town to town, teaching the people about how they should live their lives. A large crowd gathered, and so Jesus told them a parable to help them understand his teaching. He said to them, a farmer went out to sow seed in his field. Now, back in the day, Farmers didn't have lots of machinery to automatically plant in straight lines, so they just went around in the fields and scattered the seed by hand. As the farmer scattered the seed, some of it fell on the paths that crisscrossed the field. The paths were hard, and the seed just lay on the top of them. It couldn't grow there and was just eaten by the birds or trampled underfoot. Some of the seed fell on rocky and stony ground. There was a little bit of soil there, so the plants quickly sprouted. But because the soil was not very deep, it couldn't hold enough water for the plants to survive. So they just withered and died in the hot sun. Then. There were the areas of the fields where thorns and brambles grew. When the seed fell there, it quickly sprouted, but the brambles were stronger and grew over the new young plants, and they couldn't survive. Lastly, some of the seed fell on the good soil, the soil that the farmer had ploughed and looked after. The seed grew strongly and healthily. And when the time was right, it produced a crop of seeds more than a hundred times what was sown. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus had finished telling the story, his disciples asked, What does this mean? Jesus explained, The seed represents the word of god the path are the people who hear the word but reject it so they do not believe and are not saved the seed that falls on the stony ground represents the people that hear the word of god they receive it with great joy but they don't take the time to study the word and put down their roots in their new faith and so When times of trouble come, and we all know that we will all face troubled times at some point in our life, because they have no roots, they give up on God and lose their faith. On the other hand, the seed that falls in the weeds are the people who hear the word of God and they're excited to accept it. But then they're distracted by the things of this world, money, power, riches, or pleasures, or even worries. These things are more important to them than God, so they never mature. Lastly, the seed that falls on the good ground are the people that hear God's word. And believe they invest their time in putting down new roots in their faith and so when things get difficult they can persevere and mature and then they can share their faith so more people will believe and be saved so i wonder who do you think the farmer is well i think the first farmer was jesus He spread the word and the disciples and many others believed in him. But there were some that didn't, weren't there? The Pharisees were like the seed on the path. They rejected Jesus. And do you remember the story of the rich young man we looked at in one of our videos a few months ago? He was like the seed in the thorns. He heard the word of God and wanted to accept it. But his money and status were more important to him. And there are many more examples, but I think the parable doesn't only apply to Jesus uh, because the seed that's planted on the good ground bears fruit, doesn't it? So those who believe in Jesus and persevere then become the farmers themselves, don't they? And their job is to share the word of God, to sow more seed. And that's us, isn't it? We may be the seed that's planted in the good ground, and we become the farmer. Now, sometimes we can get a bit down on ourselves, can't we? Because when we talk to people about our faith and about Jesus and Jesus' love, not everyone who we talk to chooses to accept Jesus. And we can blame ourselves and think that we're not good enough as Christians. But we do need to remember that even when Jesus spoke, not everyone believed, as I shared earlier. And we can't say that Jesus isn't good enough, can we? So neither should we say that we're not good enough. Our job is simply to share the good news, and then we have to leave the rest up to the Holy Spirit. So let's put our roots deep down in Jesus and the word of God and continue to share
0: the good news. Thanks, Mark. That was an amazing video again. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, Right. So uh, we're going to continue on with our service and we're going to be hearing from God's word now. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter two, and I'm going to split this. Up, oh, oh no. all right, there we go. <laughs> Myself and Sarah are going to read this to you. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, "You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die." The Lord God said, "It's not good for the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him." Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took out of the man's ribs, took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why the man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame.
4: Now, the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the snake, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listen to your wife, After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Let's pray before Martin comes. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that it is to each one of us. We pray now that you would just bless Martin as he comes to speak. Lord, fill him with your Holy Spirit, give him wisdom and understanding, as he teaches us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Steve, and the worship group for for leading us. Um, So, Adam blamed Eve, Uh, Eve blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) Sorry. It has to be done, doesn't it? So, we saw last week that all uh, Christians have a calling on them, every single one of us, whether retired or parents or at university or school or in paid jobs or serving in the church or in the community, all of us have a call on us to uh, cultivate creation, um, to make culture. Culture is what we do with the creation that God has given us. Now, the creation that God has given us includes words. So what we do with words in writing and speaking, poetry and plays um, and and films is culture making, cultivating creation. And what we do with the earth's resources is culture making. Um, So if you work with um, artistic textiles, um, if you're an artist of any kind, whether that be uh, uh, a writer or a poet or you work with uh, paints um, or textiles, you are called to be a culture maker, to do something good with creation. Maybe you work with computers. Somebody has to, don't they? Um, they're great when they work. Um, maybe, you, maybe you work with people. People are your resource and you manage people. Um, We are all called to be creators of culture, to be culture makers. That's the cultural mandate in scripture, to cultivate the earth, to tend and care for the earth. And that includes caring for and tending our own gifts and abilities. Every single one of you has gifts and abilities and skills that God has given you to use in whatever season of life you're in. So some of you say, well, these days I'm frail and I can only really pray and encourage others and give and serve in that way. Well, fantastic. Carry on being a prayer warrior, carry on supporting the church and encouraging people and giving um, of your time and of your money and your resources. Do whatever you can to serve the kingdom. Um, Some of you, maybe retired, and you have a little bit, maybe not, but more time to serve with the family or in the community or in the church. Um, Wherever you are called to serve, you are called to cultivate creation, to bring good things about in creation for God's glory and for the benefit of others. So if you're in business, you are also called to cultivate creation and to bring God glory and to do good for others, bringing prosperity, employment opportunities for others and allowing others to develop their skills and knowledge and opportunities for their lives. So whatever we're called to, we are all called to um, be cultivators of creation. And God created work and service and creativity before the fall. Have you noticed that? So work is not Uh, a result of the fall. So it's not the thing we do Monday to Saturday, just as a means to an end to get through the week so that we can get to church on a Sunday. Work is part of your worship and service. It's a large, well, in fact, it's a huge part of your service and worship to God, isn't it? You spend more time in work and service than you do in church, uh, most of you. Um, Some of you are down here quite a bit, but most people serve and worship in the community and in their workplaces more than they do in the church. And that's right, isn't it? To be expected. We come to church, we gather in church to be refueled and refreshed so that God um, refreshes us and refuels us and sends us back into our communities, families and workplaces. This is a refueling station, isn't it? This is where we encounter the spirit of God and are refueled, refreshed, retooled, re-envisioned, and re-empowered and re-equipped to go and serve God Monday to Friday. And God created work to be fulfilling and good. It's a good thing to be doing, to use your skills and gifts to make things, to create, to serve, to work. Um, But you and I know that that creating things, serving and working is not always exhilarating um, and fulfilling, is it? Um, Now, Forgive me for saying this, but a lot of my work is not manual labour. So I mentioned last week that I don't do much gardening, but one thing I do do occasionally is the hedge cutting and the, the grass cutting. And I get a certain amount of pleasure and fulfilment out of cutting the grass, a certain amount, um, because it's a job I can finish, right? It's something I could say, oh, that looks good. I've done that. A ministry just can consists of a load of unfinished stuff you know i can never see anything finished um you know when you've visited one person you need to visit another when you've done one service you need to do another one everything's ongoing and unfinished i can never look at a finished product we're all a work in progress um so it's kind of i like to do something where i can think hey i did that it's finished Uh, well i had the experience recently there was a you know on the forecast and you think you know bbc weather it's going to rain in an hour and i thought i could get the back grass and the front grass done if i'm fast we uh, get the fly mow out and uh i got the back grass done i thought that looks good still not raining got most of the front grass done and thought hey i'm going to have the satisfaction of cutting uh you can see how small my life is can't you i'm going to have the satisfaction of having cut the front and the back grass and uh before the rain comes and for me that was a win right A real win that day and uh anyway it's going well out the front I've nearly finished and then bang the uh flymo just broke and, and fell apart and the rotor blade flew out and uh kind of embedded itself in the grass and uh I turned the flymo over switched the power off yeah I did that and uh, I noticed that the drive belt had snapped, so it was completely broken. And, and uh, other parts had been thrown out and I couldn't find them in the, you know, looking through all the bushes for the screws and everything, I couldn't find it. So I had this little one meter squared patch of, of grass that was really long, like a meadow, and the rest of it looked really good. And it was really frustrating because I like to finish things. You know, I like things to be done and it, it wasn't. so. Work, service, creativity is frustrating, isn't it? There's a level of frustration in what we're doing. And all of this, even the creation, even our work and service has been corrupted by the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. So I wanna take a look at Genesis two and three to see how service and work have been frustrated and corrupted, but then I want us to see how we can accept the frustration of work and service and creativity in the light that all, one day all creation will be renewed. And I want to show you that service, work, and creativity go on into eternity. I don't know whether that's good news or bad news for some of you, but Jesus told a parable that shows that there will be endless, eternal opportunities for us to serve in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, if you thought that we were sitting around on clouds playing harps, I'm sorry, that's probably not going to be it. We're going to be worshipping, and we're going to be serving, all right? And I'll show you that uh, a bit later. But anyway, let's look at how paradise was lost. Uh, I've never read paradise lost. Probably some of you have, John Milton poem, Um, but this is paradise lost. So God put Adam into a paradise, a garden, and told him that If he disobeyed and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would certainly die. That's what he said. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents a prohibition on humankind, on Adam. Um, God is saying there are boundaries to how you're to live. I am God. I am am the king. I'm the creator. You can eat from any tree of the garden you like, but not this one, because I have knowledge that you're not supposed to have. I am infinite, I am sovereign, I am beyond your understanding, and you shouldn't try and be me. I am God, you are the created being. Um, trouble is, as human beings, we think that any prohibition, any boundaries are a bad thing. So we, our culture says you are free to be anything you choose, to be anybody you choose. Uh, God would say not so. Um, if I look at a, a fish in a pond, or if I go down the canal and I see, um, which I did this week, you know that giant, I think it looks like a goldfish, maybe it's a carp or something, but I always look out for it in the canal. I, it, I, somebody correct me, is it, it looks like a giant goldfish. It's pro, is it a carp or is it? It's a koi carp. So I saw that in the canal. I always look out for him. And, um, you know, if I said, oh, poor old fish, he's bounded by the canal, He needs true freedom, right? So I get a net and I scoop him out because I'm concerned for his freedom. And I I decide that he needs the freedom that I enjoy. So I scoop him out of the canal and I dump him on the side of the canal. Is he going to thank me for that freedom? Now he's probably going to die, isn't he? And that's what God was saying to Adam and Eve. There is a freedom that I have that you're not to have. You will die if you have the knowledge of um, From the tree of good and evil, because you are not holy, you are not infinite, you are not the creator, you're not eternal. There is knowledge and experience you can't have. You are bounded. You are most free when you're swimming in the water of the Garden of Eden and not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So, free freedom is bounded freedom for us as human beings, not to do whatever we please. It's freedom within. The confines of God being good within a good creation. Now you might say, well, how come Adam and Eve didn't drop down dead as soon as they ate the apple? How come they went on to live hundreds of years? Well, you see, the Bible understands death as being expelled from the presence of God. What happens to Adam and Eve after they sin and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? They are expelled from the garden. Now, the garden is the place of prosperity. It's the place of life. It's the place of intimacy with God. It's the place where there is the tree of life. And if they stayed in the garden near the tree of life, they were immortal and they enjoyed intimacy and prosperity in the presence of God. But because of their sin, they were excluded from the garden. And a flaming sword guarded by cherubim was placed on the entrance to the garden. Keep out, in other words. They lost the presence of God. They lost the intimacy with God. They lost prosperity and life in all its fullness. That's what it means to die spiritually in the Bible. They did go on to die physically, But primarily, the worst thing they lost was not their immortality. The worst thing they lost was their intimacy and fullness of life in intimacy with God. They were separated, cut off from life with God. And because God is the source of all light and life and joy and fulfillment, they lost all of that. So they lost much more, actually, than immortality. They lost God. And not only that... The whole creation was disrupted. Their relationship with each other, and from then on in, was disrupted. Human beings didn't get on with each other. We know, if you look at Genesis 4, Cain and Abel, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Their relationship with the ground changed. It became harder. There were thorns and thistles. There was more pain in childbirth. There was a frustration in working the ground. Their relationship with God was disrupted. They experienced shame and guilt and a sense of failure before God. Paul says in Romans 8 that ever since the fall, the entire world has been subject to decay and groaning. Sin leads to the disintegration of every area of life, spiritual, physical, social, cultural, psychological, all the restlessness that we feel, all the boredom that we feel, all the guilt that we feel, all the shame that we feel, all the sense of meaninglessness and unfulfillment that we experience as human beings comes from the expulsion of Adam and Eve from the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. We are away from home as human beings. We are not in the place that God created us to be in, the intimacy of his presence. And that's why, our workplaces and the places where we serve in the church and in the community, and even the places where we use our creative skills, our art skills and all the rest of it, there's a, there is still a measure of, ah, it's not quite as good as it could have been, a sense of that could have been even better, a sense of we want to reach beyond our limits, and, but we are limited, frustrated beings ever since the fall. We don't always function as we should. So there are thorns and thistles in life. Sin not only affects our personal and private lives, but also everything, public and social life and work, service and creativity. God made us to work and serve him. But even that comes under the curse. So even serving in church, not just working in paid work outside the church or serving in the community even serving in the church is subject to frustration at times i'm sure you know that genesis 3 verse 17 cursed is the ground because of you this is to adam through uh, through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the of the field So work itself is not a curse, but it comes under the curse. It's been affected, permeated by the curse. There are thorns and thistles in every aspect of life. In our relationships, in our families, there are thorns and thistles. In our workplaces, in our churches, everywhere we look, there are thorns and thistles. Um, There are good days, uh, aren't there? We have good days when we feel, I've achieved something today. And there are really, really frustrating days. Have you noticed that? Um, Some days you just think, what have I achieved today? Just been chasing my tail. And other days you feel, that was a good day. And yet, even though you've achieved a lot and fulfilled most of what you hope to do, there are still things responses to what you've done that you think, mm, that could have been better. You know, I did really good work today and yet that person hasn't responded or, you know, this, the outcomes of all my good work have not quite met my expectations. There's always a, ah, oh, to it, a frustration. Um, I often feel that I'm doing the best job in the world. I really do, for me anyway. Uh, Not for not for everyone. For me personally, with my particular gifts and skills and calling, this is the best job in the world for me. Um, I love what I do. I really do. Um, Most of the time. (laughs) But like you, I experience thorns and thistles. Whether you're retired, whether you're serving in, in a family um, keeping a home, raising children or grandchildren, whether you're serving voluntarily in the community, there are thorns and thistles. Um, for me personally, uh, number, people move away from the area and you miss them and you miss their contribution to the church. It's a thorn and a thistle. People leave the church because of conflict, thorns and thistles. People who you think are moving on with the Lord and doing great service suddenly fall and walk away from the Lord. Thorns and thistles. Children, grandchildren that you've been praying for for years and years and years to come to know the Lord. Don't come to know him or come to know him or it seems and then fall away. Thorns and thistles. Some that you respect, some Christians that you respect in the world and in the media renounce their faith. Thorns and thistles. Hurts, doesn't that? The weeds of life choke the faith of other Christians. How many Christians have we seen, you know, become so taken up with wealth or work that faith just gets pushed out? And their love for Jesus grows cold. It happens time and time again. The weeds of life, as Mark described, choke and throttle that beautiful shoot that Jesus had had produced. Oh, we feel that someone is nearly there. They're ready to commit (laughs) as a Christian. They're nearly there, we've been praying for them. And they just shrink back thorns and thistles. the truth is that in all of work and service um, there will be thorns and thistles and yet look at what it says you will eat the plants of the field there will be fruit and enjoyment and fulfillment alongside the thorns and the thistles that's life isn't it there is much that is fruitful and enjoyable and you delight in, but there's also many thorns and thistles. They coexist, and they will do until Jesus returns. That's life. Uh, COVID uh, has reminded us of thorns and thistles like nothing else, hasn't it? Affected every area of life. I, oh, dear me, Um, I feel for... uh, NHS workers, for teachers, uh, for other frontline staff, the, the regulations, uh, the conditions that people are having to work in, it's soul-destroying and continues to be so. Or I feel for the, for the family in church we had recently, I won't name names, who, you know, the, the father was uh, waiting for an operation, um, nearly got there, and uh, the daughter had been in contact with somebody who had coronavirus, so the whole family had to isolate, the cooperation couldn't happen, they couldn't go to work, they're stuck at, you know, it's it's a nightmare, isn't it? Thorns and thistles. And yet, just coming to church, even with a mask on, being in the presence of God, being with his people, um, I, I must admit, I find myself praying under the mask. I don't know about you. I'm kind of mumbling away. I'm, I'm, I'm there just speaking praise to God. I, I wasn't singing, but I was, I, I can't stop my mouth moving. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, but, uh, well, I'm not sorry, actually. It's, I'm sure it's of God. I, I, whoever I'm apologizing, I can't stop my mouth moving. I, I, prom- I wasn't singing. I was praising in prayer and speaking in tongues. Because I, I can't not. I feel that the stones would cry out if I don't, so forgive me, (laughs) but isn't it great to be in the presence of God, rejoicing with his people, even in the thorns and thistles of COVID, hallelujah. For most of us, it's about learning to live with the frustrations of our role and calling alongside the joys. It's about accepting that there's a measure of fruitlessness as well as fruitfulness in a fallen world. You will bear fruit in your work and service and there will, be a, there will be a fruitlessness as well, a frustration. And we have to accept the fruitlessness. We were designed to work, serve and create. They bring us happiness. So there's happiness in raising a family and keeping a home. There's happiness in supporting the family as as grandparents. There's joy and fulfillment and happiness in using your creative skills to, to glorify God in whatever form that comes. There is a degree of fulfillment and happiness in paid work. Some of you are thinking, if only I could get a job. Well, we're praying for you, I promise. I know some of you are experiencing thorns and thistles because you're looking for work. And we pray that God would provide you with work and open the door. I, I, I'm sensitive to that this morning. This is not, I'm not assuming that everybody's able to work um, and isn't searching for work. You see, Genesis 3.18 tells us that not only thorns and thistles, but you will eat the plants of the field. Thorns and food, fruit and no fruit, <laughs> Coexist. But the fruit that we see, the joy that we feel, is a glimpse of the beauty that awaits us in a new heaven and a new earth for eternity. So our best efforts give us a little picture, a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. So if you produce a really beautiful piece of artwork, or you lead a meeting really well, or you create something. That's, that's really good and satisfying, a piece of music or a piece of woodwork. Something of the new heavens and the new earth is being reflected in what you've done. I believe that our best efforts in this life will be revitalized and renewed in the new heaven and the new earth. Amen. Good news, folks. One day creation will be set free from the curse of sin. This is the first prophetic promise in scripture, by the way. Right back in Genesis 3, there's a prophetic promise. Um, Genesis 3.15. Here's the promise. And this is God speaking to, uh, to Adam. I will put, sorry, speaking to Satan, the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What does this mean? Well, Eve is the woman and the offspring of Eve are the human kind down through the generations coming from Eve. And what God is promising there is that although the serpent, the snake, represents Satan, although he will strike the offspring of of Eve's heels though he will ultimately be crushed and that's a prophecy about Jesus the ultimate offspring of Eve his heel was bitten and wounded on the cross by the serpent but Jesus crushed Satan's head in the resurrection amen um, to use a chess analogy, um, if you don't play chess, I apologize. Um, Satan had Jesus at check with the crucifixion. It appeared that Satan had Jesus in trouble on the chessboard and had Jesus in check at the crucifixion. But Jesus had one more move in the game he was raised from death, and that was checkmate for Satan. Game over. Job done. Hallelujah. Jesus has crushed the head of Satan through the resurrection. And one day, Satan's head will be fully crushed, and he will be fully banished when Jesus returns to bring a new heaven and a new earth. Until then, we live with uh, the reality of the resurrection We experience joy and the power of the Holy Spirit and much fruit, but we also experience the thorns and thistles. But when Jesus returns, the whole creation will be set free, liberated from the groaning that it has today. It's good news, isn't it? We will finally get free of coronavirus (laughs) and any other viruses. Romans 8, 22 and 23 we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's a great scripture. What it means is this, when Jesus returns for the final time at the very end of the age, Believers, whether dead or alive, will be raised up with new resurrection bodies that will never die or decay or get sick again. And we will live in a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more mourning, no more pain, no more decay, no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow. And where work and service will be completely and utterly joy-filled and fulfilling, and there will be no thorns and thistles. Hallelujah. One day, creation including us, will be liberated. Now, what has all this got to do with work and service and creativity, you might ask? Well, I don't know whether you've ever seen this in this parable, um, but Jesus tells a parable of the talents. Um, he tells a parable about a master who goes away and entrusts his property to three of his servants. To one servant, he gives five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent. The servants who receive five talents and two talents go away and put the money to work. They invest it. They are entrepreneurial. So Jesus likes entrepreneurial people, people who invest in the kingdom and use their skills and abilities and gifts and money. The one who is afraid of the master, who represents God, of course, hides his money in the ground because he does, he's afraid of losing the one talent. So he buries it in the ground and thinks, well, at the worst, I'll still have the talent when the master comes back. Well, who gets commended? It's the risk takers, the entrepreneurs, the investors who get commended. The five talent guy and the two talent guy have made a lot more money from their investments and they get commended and they get told by Jesus You have been faithful over a few things. I will now make you ruler over many things. Do you see that? I will now make you ruler. And this parable is the coming again of Jesus. I will now make you ruler over many things. Come and enter your master's happiness. That's fascinating, isn't it? The one with one talent, by the way, gets, you know, he he doesn't, he gets short thrift. From, from Jesus. Jesus is not impressed. So whatever you do in your work and service and creativity today, you are storing up treasure in heaven because the more you invest and use your skills and gifts and talents for the kingdom of God, in paid work, in unpaid work, in the church, outside the church, you are investing in eternity. And the more you invest in this life, the more responsibility Jesus is going to give you in the next. And there will be untold opportunities to worship and serve Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth. So fulfilling they will be, so joy-filled, they will be set free from all frustration. Um, I don't know what those roles will be. I, I don't want to speculate, that's up to Jesus, isn't it? But he says, I will now make you ruler over many things. In eternity, you will be ruling over, stewarding people and resources in a new heaven and a new earth for eternity. Wow. That makes a big difference to how I see my service and work and creativity today. So if you think you've been making good things today, that's not a patch on what you'll be doing in eternity. The art, the leadership, the business, the cultivating, the gardening, the parenting that you've been doing in this life will not be a patch on your service and work in the next life. I find that really exciting. We're going to have opportunities and fulfillment and joy in our service and work that is untold and unparalleled. You will be playing music and singing like you've never played music and sing, sung before. You will be gardening like you've never gardened before. You will be creating like you've never created before. In a perfect, restored creation with no thorns and thistles and frustration, just joy in the presence of the King. It's good news, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, there are are some of us who have really frustrating work situations. Lord, I want to lift before you those who are out of work this morning and seeking work. Lord, open doors of opportunity for them, I pray. Lead them to the work that you have for them, where there would be fruit and fulfillment for them. Lord, there are people here today who are who are really frustrated with the work that they're doing for all sorts of reasons, Lord, maybe lack of resources, um, limited uh, input, limited support, Lord, all sorts of external reasons. And sometimes, Lord, even we are the source of the problem in our fallenness. Lord, I pray for those struggling in their work and service that you would open new doors of opportunity. Show them the way ahead, Lord, and just bless them in their work with fresh productivity, with a greater degree of fruitfulness. Father, I want to pray for those who are searching for a new sense of calling in a new season. Father, I sense that there are some who are asking you today Lord, where are you calling me to serve in this new season of life? Oh, Spirit of God, would you would you just um, give them wisdom and discernment? Show them the path ahead. Show them this new season what you want them to do. Can I ask that we all stand in the Lord's presence? Can we all stand? Um, Maybe on Zoom you can stand as well. I just want to pray, I want to pray for the Holy Spirit this morning to just refresh us in, um, we're all called to be creators of culture, and there's a there's a measure of frustration in, in all of what we're called to do, but I want to pray that we wouldn't just accept the frustration, but I want to pray that the Lord would give us a fresh vision and a fresh sense of hope that our work will one day be transformed in a new heaven and a new earth, that the Lord would give us a fresh vision and plant in us deep a real sense that what we're doing today, um, wherever it is, whatever it consists of, is storing up treasure for eternity and has, is an investment of talents in eternity and has eternal significance. Holy Spirit, thank you that you've called each one of us to different spheres of work and service and creativity inside the church and outside the church. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would just come now and fill us, your people, afresh with fresh joy, fresh vision, fresh hope, a fresh sense of calling and vocation, that whatever we're called to do, whether it be supporting people in the church whether it be through prayer whether it be through using our creativity to glorify you and the church and others whether it be through our paid work father would you give us an increased joy in what we're doing and an increased sense that we're doing it for you but lord our frustrations would be overcome but lord we would experience greater fruit in what we're doing and a greater joy i pray for the the fruit of joy in all of us, in Jesus' name. I pray for an increase in fruitfulness, productivity in all that we're doing. Oh, Father, equip us, renew us, empower us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: So let's finish with... we seeking God's kingdom come set your rule and reign come set your rule
1: and reign in our hearts again increase in us we pray unveil while we're made come set our hearts ablaze full like one Church The sick, the poor at peace, we lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are the church. i
0: said amen amen thank you father for being with us this morning thank you for encouraging us thank you for building us we ask and so lord as we go out into this week lord we just ask for you to just guide us keep us feed us lord we just want to bless your holy name amen